0: Okay, let's do it. Hey, let's do it. Welcome to another episode of Director Peace Theater, the show where two directors, who you may or may not recognize from uh, the old website Cracked, talk about some of your favorite pop culture popcorn movies and the craft of directing therein. Uh, Sometimes we'll talk about how movies are marketed, how they're made, what they mean, all kinds of different things. I am one of your co-hosts. Adam Ganser is with and with me is uh, my favorite uh, side of fries. Abe Epperson.
1: You didn't expect <laughs> no. that i do it perfectly, <laughs> did you? I actually wasn't anticipating. I thought I was going to do the intro this time. Yeah. Usually we do vice versa, but you took the intro. You're running with it. I like it. You're, very, you're in a good mood.
0: Uh, I am. I'm jovial. Yeah,
1: but it means that I can't use that joke later, so... <laughs> So now I'm really all out. I can't do yeah, yeah. our typical bit of me mispronouncing yeah. my name or something like that.
0: <laughs> You're getting twenty words out of me max. I'm
1: not a comedian, so... man. I can't just be constantly
0: <laughs> thinking of bits. You and I have been have been uh deflecting the the name comedian, the job title comedian for about ten years now, wouldn't you say?
1: Oh, I wouldn't say it was me who's deflecting it. I would say it would be my audience. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I would say facts have been. Yeah, I would say that, like,
1: hey, you. No one's ever come up to me and been like, hey, you're funny. You a comedian?
0: That's it's true. Although I do feel like when you work when you talk to people or work with people who are not in the comedy field, uh-huh. they uh, they do sort of lump you in more with comedians, and so then you have to like, well, I'm actually a filmmaker, and they go, okay. And then they immediately punch you because they don't want to hear any of that. Yeah, usually <laughs> they don't like, want to hear a word of that.
1: <laughs> yeah, me too. But it usually starts with like, "Why are you in my house? Please get out of here."
0: <laughs> right. These are they're like, that "Sure, say. give me some chili first, please. Yeah. I just need a little chili, and I'll be on my way." <laughs> with two very different
1: bits, I like it. <laughs>
0: yeah. I assume if you're gonna break into a person's house, it's that they got some chili. I get. What yeah. else are you doing there? I, fuck, I no. fucking
1: yeah, dude. <laughs>
0: fuck, fucking chili. <laughs> fuck yeah. <laughs> That's Agree. The right answer, dude. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't even matter what kind. I'm fucking so I fucking
1: love this, uh, dude. Let's just make a show of this.
0: A show of us. We're, Talking about reasons we might steal chili from people in their own homes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We just run with whatever we did not agree upon. <laughs> we yes and too hard. Just, you know? uh, just tell it's in. Just does not make sense. Just doesn't <laughs> yeah, make sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the nonsense improv. Yeah, it sounds great. Yeah, we're comedians. That's, that's definitely a thing <laughs> people <comedians>. need. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> what comedians do, right? Yeah. Zing, zing. Yeah, yeah. All
1: right, let's shut the fuck up. Let's do the thing yeah, that I we're know. actually
0: good at. <laughs> Agreed. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so, Abe, I wanted to talk about a, a movie I'm sure both of us have watched a number of times. Uh-huh. And that is uh, the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I'm looking Are you familiar?
1: at the poster right now. It's Ooh. in my living room.
0: Yes. Oh, that's right. You have the poster you're living in. Yeah, he's like kicking back. Uh, he's got his
1: uh, he's got his uh, hands behind his head and he's like lounging on a non-existent couch with a, yeah. a, a f- his face says, "I'm a cool guy." <laughs>
0: <laughs> it really does say that. I'm a cool guy. Uh, he is one of the most confident movie characters we've ever seen. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. Right. So um so I've watched this movie a couple times recently, and I, I have this theory uh, that I wanted to share with you. Yeah. And the theory is that the movie is so well-directed up top, and that Ferris Bueller's character so perfectly defined that it actually stops being interesting after the first act. <laughs> that this is this is a case where John Hughes, Just the writer-director of the movie- right that's exactly my theory, that John Hughes did an immaculate, amazing job directing this movie in the first act, so much so that the movie's actually not able to sustain the same energy and fun that it started, and kind of falls flat afterward. Huh. And I wanted I wanted to go through and do my proof for there, if you're willing. I already have had to thoughts, hear me out. but I'm going to wait. I'm excited. I'm excited. So, okay, the primary reason I say this is that the character of Ferris Bueller is is made to feel essentially almost omnipotent right like he he has nearly zero problems and we are so in his head and so convinced of his coolness and his ability to think ahead out of over everybody else that by the end of the movie we don't really believe he's ever in any serious trouble that he can never get in any serious trouble Okay, so I want to talk a little bit about how John Hughes accomplished the first feat, which is to make us feel that a character is so cool and fun that he can't be beaten without making him an actual superhuman or something. And I wanted to sort of go through all the tactics that he used to do that. So the first one is that he uses POV shots. And by the way, he doesn't go back to the POV shots after the first act. He basically only uses them right up top, okay? Uh, the first, maybe like the second or third shot of the movie. It's already incorrect, but that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying there is zero. Okay. I'm saying we don't, we don't go back to it as a trope very often Uh after, uh, the first act. Okay. Right. We do it a lot less. Okay,
1: one of my favorite parts is the museum where, uh, Cameron looks at the painting, but that's fine.
0: Yeah, no, that's okay. Great. I think that might, that might be and, it. I might be. And 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 you also might prove a point that I have later by bringing that up. So great. Okay, cool. So, okay, the POV shot. So, the first and best example of the POV shot that we get is is Ferris's parents looking down at him as he's pretending to be sick. Right? The <clears throat> yep. first basically the most important thing that is going to happen in Ferris's day happens right up top, which is do his parents believe that he is actually sick. And John Hughes in order to get us into his mindset gives us this point of view shot where we immediately see from Ferris's point of view how his parents view him which is as like a child. They view him as a baby, right? Yep. A thing he totally uses to his advantage right away. And it's shot like, you know, like an ad for
1: diapers where it's like, "Oh, we're going to talk to the baby" or something like that like in like yes, a 90s ex- version it really of that is. ad.
0: Yes, it really is. And also, the point of view shot is a thing that really editorializes the person that we're looking at, right? it's a It's a thing that directors use it a lot, but it has a very strong editorializing quality, particularly for the parents, right? Mm-hmm. Because the way it's shot, it feels like you're a baby and they're looking at down at you from a crib. Got it. Yeah, right. That's what it feels like. The sister, we also see through a, a quasi point of view shot, and we get little pieces of who she is. We get her impatient little drumming of fingers on her skirt. We get her frowning face, and we know this is the only person who's going to be an actual problem for him. Nobody else, just him. Again, from the point of view shot. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. N- now I wanted to, I wanted to just mention a thing because Abe, you and I are comedy directors, and I can. So you're going to appreciate this. I hope. We have a point of view shot of clouds. Yeah. <laughs> We have point of view shot of clouds. Yes. After he gets away with, uh, he gets away with like calling in sick. Right, his parents right, believe yeah. him. He gets up. He goes out to his window, opens the shades, and we get. And he says, "Like, how can I be expected to stay inside on in a day like this?" And then we cut to three point of view shots of the clouds. And holy shit, are those funny shots? Each of those <laughs> shots is amazing because the clouds are shitty. They're not that good of clouds. <laughs> they're just shitty like, wispy clouds. They're just <laughs> they're just wispy whatever clouds. That makes it so funny. It's like you would never shoot that. You would always mm, shoot the big puffy, like look at these full clouds. of juice cloud, yeah. Yeah. right? You'd never see that kind of cloud in a movie, yeah. right? And you're like, "Oh, John Hughes, you fucking hero." You already know what's funny, right? The new it's tone from
1: John Hughes clouds. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, totally.
1: Right? Uh, Cuz I think you're supposed to clouds. just get that it's not raining, but <laughs> right. <laughs> There's right. something funny to me about like a good insert shot.
0: <laughs> you know, Yeah, like, I mean this is a perfect insert shot because it's like it's not an amazing day full of clouds. They're not like, "Wow, look at those clouds." It's whatever. <laughs> it's yes. It's like a whatever clear day. <laughs> like
1: they also <laughs> live in a place that is like that most days. <laughs>
0: sure, exactly. Yeah. It's so I think good. that's the joke it's kind of funny.
1: like you, yeah, you may not laugh at that originally when like just any no- normal viewer, but yeah, it's like when you think about it, th- he's just trying to line up an excuse to be like, yeah,
0: "I'm gonna play
1: hooky." hundred percent. The whole point. hundred percent. School. Because uh, I don't, don't give a need,
0: fuck. Yeah, you don't need to take Ferris Bueller at his word. You know what I mean? Like you, you can accept that he believes what he wants to believe. And these shots are not a proof that he's absolutely right. They're just a proof that he's going to get away with it. You know what I mean? And that's so. It's so perfect. Uh, we also get a point of view shot that is amazing. It's like not quite a point of view shot, but it's very close to one mm-hmm. of Sloane when she gets taken out of uh, class because Ferris gets her off. with this, but this big lie that her grandmother died, her grandfather died. Mm-hmm. I think it's grandmother, and so this nurse takes her out and and gives her this information. Listen, I'm sorry, I'm bearing bad tidings. Your grandmother died, and then we cut to the reaction shot of Sloane. That's basically a point of view shot, and her acting is so bad. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> it is fantastic. Uh, it's just, <laughs> right. it's just the, right. The it's so funny. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the fake crying is fucking hilarious, right? Because none of these people can like are convincing at all. But the adults in this world are so stupid in a way that's like so utterly pleasing for us yeah. <laughs> that like the point of view shots oh, okay. really sell. Yeah. yeah, they really sell the 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 tone of the movie. Okay, so the next thing that John Hughes does that sort of makes Ferris Bueller into this uh, omnipotent figure is direct to camera monologues. Right now. <clears throat> It's not like this never happens in movies, but it's so rare yeah. that I had a hard time French thinking of another. Woman, Deadpool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yes, Deadpool. Like it. <laughs> you yeah, know, like, and I think I think Deadpool couldn't have done that without Ferris Bueller. Mm-hmm. I think like Ferris Bueller is actually very daring in a way. Because it's not like it invented the trope. No,
1: but it it is lampooning the trope because the trope is very stuffy. If people want to look back to when that trope happened, you go to people like Jean-Luc Godard. Right. You go to like Breathless, where it's not exactly true, but it's like someone talking in monologue about like what's happening in like a very curt kind of like understated way. That right. makes you realize they're watching the same thing we're watching. Therefore, the fourth wall has been broken. By doing right. this, he's basically saying, like, fuck, th- fuck those types of movies. I'm going right. to make it my own. And it's very punk rock, you know?
0: Yes, it is punk rock, which is a thing that we're going to come back to in a minute. Because punk rock is a really important piece of this movie. Right. It also tells us that Ferris Bueller is aware of the movie. Mm-hmm. Right, so like he—that means that he has a power that no one else in this movie has. Oh yeah, he has the power to say, "I'm also aware this is a movie, and I'm going to give you some information now." Because why not? Because I can, right? So he's already instantly so much more powerful than anybody he's going to encounter that there's never going to be any real tension for him the rest of the film. Okay, so um, also the way that the direct to camera monologues are used uh, sort of make him. Uh, unassailable as a protagonist one way is he he gives us all these like philosophical uh, moments like especially in the first act or like he says like a person should never believe in an ism right like mm. I, I believe that one person should believe in himself and then he quotes some stuff and he says still not going to get me a car because <laughs> like mm. basically his only problem in life he doesn't have a car He doesn't have if a car. he yeah, did he's... yeah that's it that's his only problem uh, yeah right? it's
1: it's because it's like it's it's holding Caulfield thoughts. It's yes, uh, you know it is. it's just to ignite a younger generation to be like, Yeah, you also have com- you're starting to form complexities. Correct. Uh, so you have thoughts on isms, but you also have problems with like not being an adult, and that's right. also a stupid thought. But we're not gonna right. s- shove that in your face, you know, so you can enjoy the fucking movie.
0: He makes that really funny line about like it's pointless and some and somewhat childish like when he's talking about licking his palms to convince you, his parents, that he had clammy hands. It's pointless and childish, but then again, so's high school, right? It's mm-hmm. like, And that's a very Holden Caulfield point of view, which is pretty great. Um, he also, basically whenever he has these philosophical conversations, or even like a really sweet moment with his dad, he's just like so obsessed with his teenage problems that he blows that stuff like right aside, right? He has that phone call with his dad who's like, listen, I love you, pal. You know, like it ends with this very sweet moment yeah. with his dad, and he, and he like hangs up the phone. And he's like, "I can't believe Cameron's not listening to me." <laughs> like, just blows right past this thing that's uh, just very funny and meaningful in most other movies. You yeah, know? he's all, Yeah, I mean, because yeah. he's a self interested dick. <laughs> yeah, he yeah he's selfish. But I'm not here to shit on the guy because like I'm not trying to like do the Ferris Bueller's actually the devil. Like, I'm not interested no, in that I, take, I mean, you kind of
1: already know, but he's fun. Right. Just, like, Deadpool he's so is fun. insufferable. Right. But it's fun. You know, like, well, he's just having a goof,
0: you know? Again, like, see, the only other way we would accept this kind of character is when he's somebody like Deadpool, who yeah. is legitimately a superhero. You know? That's an interesting problem. Like, we couldn't see... I mean we could, but we don't really see other high school movies or other movies about normal people who have this amount of control over I, the narrative. I
1: don't know. I think this trope and this movie gave birth to the Now, I know what you're thinking.
0: You know, right, like right, the right, intro. Right. Right, right, right. Like
1: I saw it recently on the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Ugh, you know, it's just no. like it's the thing that like it's it's a cliche at this point because because it also because allows you to do so exposition well. and explanation really fast, so it's like a writer's yes. uh, crutch. But it's also True. a very transparent way to make you like endeared in like endearing toward a character because they're speaking directly to you. They're not in a situation you are with them. Um, Correct. That's neither here nor there. The point is you can be an asshole and still do this trick as we prove as we've proven what like the source material because I think like yes. Ferris uh, Bueller's Day Off is like kind of if we we're all to say like what's that trope all about and where did it kind of start it's more or less this because this is what was big enough to make it in our perspective in our minds it's, it's like the, it's that formative right like, like it's that formative of <clears throat> like thing. Guillermo del Toro didn't invent steampunk right, but right 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 he made it in our heads <laughs> Now, why we all know and can use the word steampunk and know what we mean, pre Guillermo del Toro, that was only a small niche of people. I think that Ferris Bueller is the same way to this type of trope.
0: Agreed. I totally agree with that. Um, okay, so just a couple other tactics that John Hughes uses to empower Ferris Bueller. So another one is that, in especially in the first act, he has a lot of shots where in the foreground is a person talking, mm-hmm. and in the background is something happening that is actually Ferris manipulating the circumstances. Mm-hmm. And that thing is usually out of focus, right? So he uses sort of depth of field stuff to establish that in the background of all these scenes is Ferris Bueller manipulating everybody and everything to his purpose, mm-hmm. right? Okay, so the best version of it is the hacking scene with Ed Rooney, where Ed right. is on the phone with Ferris's mother saying like, yeah, you know, he's been absent nine times. I'm going to have to hold him back. You know, like, you better get your kid under control. And then we look at the computer screen, which is being manipulated in the background out of focus, and realize Ferris has hacked it, which, by the way, how? Uh, he's hacked the computer and eliminated seven of his nine absences. You know, amazing, right? Uh, there's another incredible shot that I'm not sure it was planned, but it's just great, that is basically a single of Cameron in his car, debating whether or not to go over to Ferris because he's quote-unquote sick, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Ferris does a lot of manipulation to Cameron to get him to get there. right? So Cameron starts the car, and he's like, this is ridiculous. Oh, he's going to keep calling me. I'll go. No, I'm going to go. And then he's like, no, I'm not going to go. So he gets out of the car, and we have this wide shot where he gets out of the car. And then we cut back to the empty driver's seat. And in and the you background- see him in the back. It's a beautiful yeah. shot. It's, it's a it's really good effective shot. It's so effective because it tells you that it's actually him acting out what Ferris is doing to him. Yeah. You know, exactly. It's, it's so perfectly done and so artistically and done.
1: And it's a cool thing for because we all are wise as audience members that if you're locked into focus on something, you want my attention to be there. And when it's an empty seat, we already know Cameron's gonna take the seat. We're going for a ride, baby. The movie's going to happen. You know, it's like it's, it's right. so telegraphing to us. Before he's made his decision, we know the decision has been made. Why? Correct. Because like the fourth wall break with Ferris Bueller, he runs this movie.
0: Yep. He runs this movie. That's exactly correct. So, okay. Now I want to move on to another director tactic that I find particularly interesting uh, and I bet you do, too, because we've had debates about this a lot in private. Oh? Uh, yeah, we have. We have. Uh, this is about right. how you block and shoot a scene. Oh. So just I want to do a little bit of education for the audience. So blocking a scene means it's how you tell – it's what you tell the actors to physically do during the course of a scene, where you tell them to move, whether they sit down, where they stand, where they're standing, that kind of stuff. That's all called blocking, right? The physical actions of an actor in a scene. So – In the first act, Ferris has a whole bunch of like little segments, things he wants to say that are all one shot, self contained, blocked segments. For instance, the shower. The shower has like four different pieces. And in each piece of the shower, he he
1: pauses what he's doing and like takes a moment to give an aside direct to camera.
0: Is that what yes, you Yes, or I mean, yes, it's partly that. I also partly mean the only purpose for this whole action and one shot is to give this single line or this single thought, and then it's over. Mm-hmm. For instance, the, the line that everybody remembers probably most from Ferris Bueller oh, is I, Life moves. Damn life it, moves, I was going to
1: say it. It's life moves
0: pretty fast. Huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so that shot, that line is actually split into two. And the first part of the line, it is. I think I think it is. I might be wrong. It might be the whole thing in one shot. It doesn't matter. So either way, what happens is he. It's it's literally him walking by us, like he walks in the hallway to the shower. Uh-huh. He says, "Life moves by moves by pretty fast." I'm pretty sure he gets into the next shot before he says, "If you don't stop and look like watch, yes, you'll miss he it. does. I th- right? Th- I think he's so, in the shower at that point. Yes, right. Meaning that each piece of this." is specifically chosen by Ferris for us, for to, us see. to see. For us to see, yeah, yeah. For yeah, us yeah, to yeah. see, right? So, like, he is deciding when he gives us information and what information he gives us. And camera has to move for him. Correct, correct. And if you doubt that... It's most obvious after he does the Mohawk singing thing when he sings uh, Don Quixote in the shower. Mm-hmm. And he's looking at us while he's washing up. And then he puts his hand up in front of camera. Yes, because he's washing his balls. Because <laughs> he's washing his balls, right? <laughs> Which means you're not allowed to see this. Uh-huh. The rest of it, you are allowed to see. This, you're not. Which also shows that it, some element wasn't planned. So it's like. It's
1: quirky because he's like, yeah, he's in control, but and he's like a god, but he's right. also kind of winging it,
0: you know? <laughs> right? Yeah, totally. Like he's he's shooting from the hip, but he's so good yeah. that he's allowed to do that. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's, it's, right? yeah, it's it's fucking fantastic, right? It's so very good. Well done. It's very yeah, effective. It's, it knows okay. what it is doing. So. <laughs> so. I talked a little bit about the shower sequence. I'll, I'll, I'll move on from that, that piece. The entire conversation that he has with Cameron, when we meet Cameron, who's in bed, and like, I'm so sick and I'm dying, et cetera, yeah. right? Ferris is sitting in a swimsuit, lounging with hula music behind him, always one step ahead of Cameron. We never go back to that place or tone or setup. Can Which I tell means, you though?
1: Well, it's sure. because it's Ferris Bueller's movie, and that's Cameron. How right. I think the introduction of Cameron is just as, like, if not more, on point. It's definitely yes. shorter because Ferris is just a whirlwind of language, so he's constantly talking. But Cameron just singing with the the non-gigetic sound that's happening. Yes. Like yes. he is actually doing the same thing Ferris is doing, but he's using it to be depressed because, like. That music is not being played on his right, he's radio. Just singing. He's Correct. singing what we're hearing where he goes Correct. like, Let my Let people my
0: Cameron go. Yeah. yeah.
1: And it's just so evocative of what Cameron is, which is just he's down yes. in the dumpies. He's not I don't want to go anywhere. I'm I'm Cameron. You know, like this. that's all we needed. And it, we're off to the races. It's to I think it's more to your point because it's like Hughes can do this with any type of like effervescent character. I guess effervescent's the wrong word, because I wouldn't say Cameron is effervescent. But like direct or clear character. He can do this with them. And he's showing you here's me having fun with Ferris and how I do this. Look, I can just turn on Cameron for 45 seconds and you sure. I can do it in 45 seconds. Like he's, yes. he's like calling a shot. He's like, uh, he's fucking Babe Ruth calling a shot. And he then really it's like is. right after hitting a home run, he's just like, and real quick, just throw me another one. Just real quick. Cool. Yeah. I'm um, that one's gone too. You know, it's yeah. like, he's just knocking them out.
0: It, it, they really are such strong and concise like perfect character introductions. Now, I want to talk about Cameron a little bit later, but I'll say one of my major points now, which I'll get into a little bit more detail later. The most of the like, you know, sort of internet meta narrative about Ferris Bueller is that Cameron is actually the hero of the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for like, sure. you know, Cameron has the narrative, and Cameron, like, Ferris is a is a figment of Cameron's imagination, et cetera. Sure, And that it, one, it all whatever. basically boils down to this introduction. Like this introduction is the is the fertile soil of this uh of this theory because he's the first person that has a real problem in the movie. yeah, he's also he's the, the one, one who changes person. over the yes movie. yes, yeah. he is the only one that changes. yeah, right yeah exactly and, that, and the fact that they share this one trait, which is that they are aware of the movie because Cameron's a little aware of the movie is why is what makes people in their brains. Think, oh, maybe F- Ferris is actually a figment of Cameron's imagination. Maybe that's a narrative thread. Right? Like, it, it's, it's, this is not a thing that some clever fan had, like, invented out of nowhere. This is a thing that has a little bit of proof in the movie because of how Hughes directed it. You know, like that decision. Yeah actually could spring forth that fan theory. I don't believe that, but it's an yeah, interesting thing. Yeah, I don't give theory. a fuck about that theory. <laughs> I know. I don't either. And I, I don't want to do spend forever talking about I think he is
1: it. the protagonist and that there's no denying that. I uh, think he's you, he's depending the, on your definition of protagonist, but it yes. should be pretty clear what a protagonist is. But yeah, yes. yeah, what you're saying.
0: I think well, I think just according to movie definition, absolutely. And we're going to talk about that more in a little bit, yeah. but that's true. So Okay, I'm going to move on to uh, just my summary of this blocking thing that I'm telling you about, because it happens all throughout the first act. Mm-hmm. I've given you just a couple examples, is that it's a way of describing the absolute control Ferris has over everyone else and information. And the perfect summary of it is the moment that he plays the sick, like all those sick sound effects on the keyboard yeah. to the Blue Danube by Strauss. Mm-hmm. Right. It's First of all, it's... Amazing! It's iconic. Everybody like remembers it. But he plays that song. It's a classic song, and it's literally the way that he's convincing people he's sick, and he's playing it for entertainment. And looks at us as he plays it and goes, eh, eh? right? He's like literally <laughs> yeah. selling us, like, see what I can do? Yeah, that's what he can do, right? He can he can play everybody with his little tools. It's amazing. Okay, yeah. so this other thing I just thought you in particular would love this. This show this movie if I remember correctly has only one dolly shot in it. I don't at least I don't remember another dolly shot but oh, in the yeah. first act there's only one. It has one dolly shot and it's the moment that Ed Rooney is making fun of who he believes to be Ferris Bueller yeah. who's lying to him about uh Sloane's dead grandmother and he's mm-hmm. like, "You know, bring her wheel her old ass corpse down here." Mm-hmm. And then his secretary sets Ferris Bueller's on line too. And there's an amazing dolly yeah. shot into his face into and uh, that yeah, sting. Jeffrey
1: Jones' that... fucking face. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. With that great sting, like that, you know, like where yeah. it's like, you fucked up. And you it's one of the. fucked up now. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's a it's wonderful a great, shot. It's a great shot.
1: It's yeah. a great It's not the only yes. dolly in the movie, but that's. It's the only is dolly, dolly used in that where way.
0: Huh? Oh, yeah. I don't remember the other dollies. No, in I did the museum I did a... again,
1: when they're uh, walking laterally uh, against the paintings and oh, acting, yeah. like,
0: uh, acting like uh, art. Yes. Uh, yes. People,
1: I guess. Art. Correct. Art critics.
0: Yeah. The museum is kind of the only place in the rest of the movie where Hughes gets a little trickier with camera. I think that's...
1: I think he's... Hearkening to this, I think you're, you're, so far your theory holds water, because my theory about that is that the museum is a nice little respite of home, where we get a little bit more introspective, we like, nothing happens, we take a beat. Yeah. Uh, and right. we remind ourselves who each of these characters are. Yes. So correct. he's going to use in his bag of tricks his Im- and John Hughes's employ the camera tricks and <clears throat> the editorial strategies that he was using in the first act to correct. introduce us to the characters. So we once again feel like there's Ferris is still Ferris, Cameron's still Cameron.
0: Right. You know. That's a, that's thank you because that's a that's a thing I didn't put together, but you did it you are helping me out and I appreciate it. I that. did it. You did it. So look, uh, okay, so the first major point that I've made here is here are the directing tactics that John Hughes uses to establish Ferris Bueller's control. Now I want to talk about the tactics that John Hughes uses to sort of brand the tone of the movie because those those are the two things that are the most important things to take away from the first act of the movie. Ferris Bueller's power and the tone of the movie. Because
1: like – specifically that it's like uh, it's for like young people and yes. like the and, audience. and it's for right
0: right, right. because we're going to yeah, learn yeah. Yeah, yeah. you're going to learn why basically after the first act there's never going to be any real trouble in this movie again mm-hmm. it's it's like a good thing that has a bad outcome so this movie is like explicitly for youngs okay and <laughs> how do you know that yeah. it's because like the first thing that happens after Ferris says i can't believe they bought it is the mtv logo like, just, yeah. like, MTV logo, here we go, right? And at that point in time, 1986, that was no longer a cynical trope, that was a new trope. That, yeah, right? that was, so uh, like
1: yeah, that was, not we ain't Bill and Ted,
0: you know? Right, exactly. That's, like, putting a brand on your, like, on your shoulder. Boom, this is a Gen X movie, you know what I mean? Like, anybody yeah. older than 30, this isn't for you, this is for kids, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and it's perfect, because it, it, it absolutely does the work. That It's supposed to do and then the next thing that happens is a music montage and that music montage is to like pretty aggressive music where he describes his entire worldview and his problem which is I need a car. Mm -hmm. Right. His worldview is childish and young even though it surveys the entire (laughs) the entirety of human history and how stupid high school is etc. His problem needs a car. Right, so there it is, so there's that. Mm -hmm. Now, the second thing is, in terms of tone, every single adult that we meet in this movie is is an idiot. They're all absolutely stupid, okay? Mm -hmm. So, and in different ways. So like his parents, we meet them through that POV shot and they're completely naive and they don't see their son for who he is, right? They're stupid, they're naive, they're, they're so sweet they're not a threat, okay? Uh, the teachers that we meet, all of whom are incredible, have forgotten how to communicate to another human being. They don't understand anymore <clears throat> how to make a young person find the subject they're teaching interesting because that's how is,
1: young people feel about adults. Yeah. right.
0: Of course. and it's but like these people are detached on a level that's like inhuman, right. And right. Ben I mean Ben Stein has so many fucking awesome lines Bueller, uh, that are yeah. right. Bueller and also anyone? Anyone. Every time he keeps saying anyone, it's great. And we cut to that series of close-ups. There's a series of student close-ups that some of my favorite acting in any comedy movie ever. It's like yeah, it's just like a bunch. Of Breakfast Club. Yes, but it's so. Good and like a portrait and amazing. There's like one guy with like reddish hair whose eyes are red in a way that makes me think he actually sat there for an hour and a half without blinking. Yeah. Trying to trying to figure out how he can stay awake for this guy, which I think you're supposed to
1: believe that he's he smokes all the weed in the world. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah,
0: probably. But it's like it's so well acted. It's the kind of thing that you and I would watch at a monitor, and we couldn't handle for more than ten seconds. Yeah, because it's yeah. so funny what he's doing, um, right, and right. and that's amazing directing. Like it's it it truly is amazing directing because he gives us these little paintings of how young people feel about adults, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they're all so funny and great and rewarding. Um, so yeah, the teachers are morons, and most importantly, uh, Ed, <laughs> Ed who Ed Rooney who's the principal, right uh is uh feels inferior he is effectively the same to Ferris Bueller as his sister Well it's um, which is it's roadrunner yes he yes yes he's wily e. coyote trying to catch the road runner mm-hmm. that's correct, which is to say that he it's it's not that he's threatened by Ferris Bueller, it's that he's resentful of Ferris Bueller yes. Like if Ferris Bueller gets to be a person he doesn't get it to. really be. gets his goat. Yeah, yeah. he and it hates it really gets his, his, way his goat. Yeah, if he hates everything right. about him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Correct. And it, and and we know that he's stupid because he's so thoroughly outmatched in every single way. By Ferris Bueller that even though he's introduced to us as, you know, kind of like Dirty Harry by his idiot secretary, we Mm. know because of how much. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) She's incredible because of how much he collapses under the weight of like one little move by Ferris Bueller. This man is not a real threat. No. And consequently, he is the only person in the movie that provides a real threat to Ferris Bueller. And he is completely inept after the first act. And he spends most of the f- most of the rest of the movie getting his ass kicked. Like yeah. that's all that happens to him is he like wrongly accuses people and gets bitten by dogs and spit on mm-hmm. and is stuff torn to shreds and that's it. Uh huh. Right? It's perfect. Yeah. So also oh, just a quick note when we meet his secretary, uh, she pulls three pencils out of her hair. <laughs> oh yeah, that's <laughs> she pulls three. coming <laughs> in threes, baby. Three pencils. It's really good. Funnier it's than really one good. pencil. Right. So, so, okay, so we've branded this movie as for young people, right? Now, the second thing is the movie is branded as Ferris wants to teach us his ways. Right, he's right? a prophet. So, <laughs> yes, so th- yes, for those of you who are, this movie is for, come, I will teach you my path, right? Mm-hmm. So that's partly done by the text on screen when he's like, literally, how do you call in sick? Like he does that. Then there's this piece where he has the mohawk in the shower. Now, the mohawk in the shower is fantastic because it tells us that he's not a he's a Gen Xer, right? He's yeah. not he's not a baby boomer, he's not a kid, he's not an adult playing a kid. He's a legit Gen Xer, but and he's like interested in young people things, but he's singing a song that's a classic song, which is to say Ferris Bueller's power is that he knows the good stuff from the old days and likes it, right? But he's still a young person. So like he can sing a Beatles song later on. He right. can he can play the Blue Danube, right? He can. Uh, He's wise he can... beyond his years. Correct. Yes. Correct. When he picks the car, that's his perfect car. It's a classic it's an, car. Yeah. Yes, it's a 1961 Ferrari. Ooh. Right. So like yeah. Ferris is a wise prophet to us Gen Xers, right? Or right. younger. Right.
1: He may, he gives us the confidence for because when you're a kid and you do dumb shit and you're like, I want to wear a mohawk. Why? Because I'm 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 trying to figure myself out. We are stepping into the unknown and we are very self-critical and uh, very fearful that other people are going to criticize us for our lack of knowledge, which we right. know we don't have a lot of. That's a part of being youth, Correct. like youthful. but. The fact that he has the superpower of knowing all of the ha- the past means like, ah, so, so when someone points out to us young kids that we don't understand things and then they have a good argument, we can just look to Ferris and Ferris is going to save us with his ability to also combat when necessary uh, the powers that be because of his knowledge. And we go like, yep, that guy's, we also going to have that guy too. We yes. can also be like, we're, we... You don't understand us, guy. but we understand you.
0: Right. He is he is Master Splinter, and we are the Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, he's the one who is so good at this that he can actually teach us how to do it, which is what's happening in this movie. Such and, an
1: asshole. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> I know. And therefore, but therefore, if he's going to be the teacher, he's not going to learn anything.
1: No. Yeah,
0: he, he's why the one not who the knows protectors. it all already. Correct. Yes, I, right. We're, we're like, making cool, that case. He's like cool,
1: wise man. He's like old wise man with the skateboard. Yes,
0: <laughs> he is. That's exactly what he is. Like yeah. Even when he tries to play the clarinet, he wears like an old guy's outfit, et cetera, et cetera.
1: And everything he does, especially when he turns on the old stuff, like uh, he acts like Abe Froman. He, does, like I said, s- sings the Beatles song. Uh, he does this thing where he's sarcastic while doing it, which is very apparent, very important to the youth because Mm -hmm. like it, it's a, it's a tale as old as time because like you, I saw once I got self-aware enough and I look back at what I did as a kid, when I see the uh, next generation or like people who are younger than me, even like people born in like 1996 or something like that, I see how they love that sarcasm because they don't know what, they feel about it and that's fine. But if you don't know how you feel about something, you just have a negative reaction to it. Sarcasm right. is the perfect response because right. it means you, you can be sarcastic and it knows that it's like slightly, you don't have to say what you think about something, but you also at the same time can have fun with it and treat it like it's not important. Cause that's what it is to you. Not important. So Correct. if you know how to sing donkey Shane, you know like you can do that and also feel like well he knows these things but at the same time it's not real that he likes that song
0: though like not necessarily no, no. he can he, always he can has know that out it cuz it's sarcastic right. he can know it but yeah he doesn't have to love it because yeah. he's too young to he's too in in on what's cool right now to right. like that old stuff for real yeah i agree with that okay so the next thing and this is important for tone is that Ferris Bueller is impossible like physically impossible <laughs> here's what I here's what I mean by that so like obviously he can read people's minds right like he mm-hmm. like he knows what Cameron is thinking he calls Cameron right when he says out loud like uh, right when he says out loud that that uh, what's the? I forget the line that he has right, but oh, I think I'm dying. And then he calls him and says like, "You're not dying. You just can't think of anything good to do." Right? He yeah. can read his mind. Uh, he call. He knows when to call uh, Rooney right when Rooney wants to talk to Sloane's father. Get me George Peterson on the phone. Oh, he's already on line two. He already knows. Right? Yeah. Uh, he hacks the computer, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So he's omniscient. That's the first problem. The second problem is. That he appears in like five or six or more totally separate outfits in the first act, like mm-hmm. within an hour's time, he has changed outfits and situations five or six times simply for the simply for a joke or to illustrate something or to react to another character, right? Like he changes to a, like a weird hipster outfit for that <clears throat> one clarinet joke. Yeah, or he I know changes- what you
1: mean because like it's. Uh- We do that all the time in movies. Totally. uh, But But this is for an effect, a specific effect. Correct. Right. It's It's not not just to get another costume in. It's to, you know, it's to show that he's like a chameleon.
0: Right. But it's, it's not just, yes, it is that. But it's also to show that like he is a chameleon on a level that like other people can't be. Like he's beyond Mm -hmm. what other people can do because he's movie guy. He has the yeah.
1: ability to take very hard things to be, like a fashion designer, or Correct. able to a- ape the idea of being Abe from in the Sausage King of Chicago Correct. or sing on a Macy Day parade. He has the ability and technical knowledge to do all these things. That's impossible.
0: Yes. It's impossible and just the amount of time it would take to do it. it's yeah. impossible. And he's like, right? what? He's like supposed
1: to be 17.
0: Yeah, he's a senior in high school. Yeah. Uh so no, and also and also just like just the sheer effort involved in all these costume changes is like just to make a point or a joke, you know. Um yeah, I just like it's a thing you never notice until you're like, my god, how many different like situations has he been in already, yeah. you know? Because he's basically a sketch an Interesting character. life. There is right, right. He's like he's basically a sketch character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, everyone else is in a movie. He's in a sketch. Anyway, so uh, he's also able to literally control the information at his school, like his friends have about him, from what seems like a payphone. <laughs> like he can just call a payphone mm-hmm. and inter- like the school has exactly the message he wants them to have. Right. And uh, but I think my favorite example of his omnipotence is like his physical impossibility is <laughs> that we were introduced to a freshman who's like, Oh man, he's gonna get me out of summer school. Oh, right. They, and yeah. like, freshman. And that's like his, yeah, that's like his legitimate like relationship. The, which means that at some How? point he
1: was had a conversation with them where he's like hanging with them, like he spent yes. a day hanging out with yes. them.
0: Yes. Right. They love him. That wouldn't have happened. Also, how is he going to get him out of summer school? And nobody, including you, the audience member, says, no, he won't. You know what I mean? Like, you just believe, you sure, of course you will. I have met people who have,
1: like, protean, uh, like, circles of friends, like, where it's totally. like, where are they hanging out? I don't know, he seems to be hanging out with that, but the rest of us have this agreement that at brunch, we, or at, like, at a break, we, we, we hang out with each other, and it's always the same, and it happens every day, and it's like, that's how, that's normal people, and he's, I have seen not normal people who do that kind of stuff, but it's, true that he's all of these things on top of each other it's yeah it's it's crazy
0: yes so my next point is just sort of a fun little uh piece of filmmaking that i wanted to like mention for people to like appreciate how succinctly and clearly uh john hughes as a director is able to communicate who his characters are so, like, we meet Ferris Bueller and it's basically through all their establishing shots. Each character gets an establishing shot and it's usually just one but it might be one or two. It's usually just one that tells you exactly where they come from and almost everything you need to know right. about who they are. The place so, they exist. In yes. Ferris Bueller's is that perfect, manicured, quintessentially American, homey family, like, sort of half mansion, right? right. It's a really nice house. It's it's homey, it's American, it's perfect. That's that's where he comes from. You know Ferris is going to be just fine, right? Cameron- a yeah, trust fund baby. Yes. Cameron lives in an extraordinarily wealthy, modern glass museum. It looks uncomfortable, and it looks like the kind of thing an alien would live in, right? And the, it's, yeah, it's beautiful. Extremely
1: rich, yeah. It's
0: extremely rich and beautiful, but also alienating. And you know exactly yeah. who he is just from that one shot. Ed Rooney,
1: people like that, and they are depressed. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) that's correct. It's all one to one. Like, yeah,
0: that's correct. Ed Rooney, we meet him on the phone through a series of images of students rushing to class, which is to say that everybody else is terrified of Ed Rooney, right? It's supposed Mm -hmm. to set him up as a villain, but the problem is that Ferris Bueller so thoroughly disposes of him when we actually meet him that it doesn't matter. Right, right. It doesn't matter. And there's like, uh, yeah. So there's. I'm gonna leave it at that. Sloane is introduced in a shot where we're looking at a bunch of different students who are sort of just listening to this boring teacher, and she's not the subject of the shot. Which is to say, she's introduced.
1: Yeah, that's, that's yeah, that's great. Actually, I didn't ever pick that up. Yeah, she's, she's introduced. She's as the just identity one of the character.
0: Yes. She's one of the crowd. That makes total sense,
1: because she's got the least personality. Correct. And that's what happens with
0: identity characters. Correct. She's a person who, if it hadn't been for Ferris being involved in her life, would have led a normal life. Like, Ferris is the only thing magical about her. You You fucking...
1: Ron Weasley
0: (laughs) I know I I know I I know It's brutal No it's
1: it's perfect I mean that's how That's how the triad works It's a tried and true method And there it is
0: So all of this So what I've done now Is I've gone through All the tactics That John Hughes uses To set up this movie Right But the problem is That Ferris Bueller Only needs one thing And that is If only I could have a car I could have this day off Well, the problem is he gets the car at the end of the first act. He gets the car. Like, he gets it from Cameron, and they take off from the school, having successfully duped Ed Rooney. And then Ferris never has any trouble again, because John Hughes has gone to such lengths to show how fun, how funny, how interesting, how powerful this character is, that once he's finally gotten away with his day off and has his car, it doesn't matter what happens with his day off. He's already solved his problem. Which is why the rest of the movie is actually about Cameron, because Cameron has a much deeper problem. Right now, I'm not. To, that's yep. not to say that Ferris Bueller doesn't have. Ferris Bueller has a problem in the third act of getting home when on did time. When does he get his
1: car? Is it like the midway, midpoint? or no? It's earlier than that. That's it's the like fir- end of the first act. He, that's he, he, act he, two break.
0: Okay. Yes, or he gets the car. Okay. He gets the car to pick up Sloane, and they drive off to a musical montage. And that moment is the end of the first act. It's like a perfectly that's right that's filmed right. movie. Yeah, you know, it feels like the end of the first act. It's like, oh, now we're off on our adventure. The
1: midpoint is the car doesn't work. Uh,
0: the midpoint I think is that they get back and the mileage is too high.
1: Yeah, that's that's what it is. yes sorry, that's yes not the mileage not work. is too I high. I meant yeah that the there's a problem with
0: the car. Yeah. Right. So the problem is, so again, John Hughes has done such an effective job of selling us the fun character of Ferris Bueller that he's undermined the possibility that Ferris will ever get caught on this day off, which means the rest of the movie has to have a narrative journey about somebody else and that somebody else is Cameron, right? But it also, it also presents some other problems. One problem is that, uh, the movie has no tension in terms of Ferris's relationship with Sloan. Do you believe, based on how these characters are set up, that Ferris is actually going to marry Sloane? Do you like you, Abe? Do you Abe believe that? Uh, no. I don't either, because Ferris Bueller is such a manipulative person yeah, that I don't think, I think he he's needs too much of an asshole. He, he doesn't need to believe anything that he says. I think
1: he's a sociopath a little bit, and therefore right. uh, he wants to be, he, he wants like, to believe that. Right. Like, he want, like, I actually think that the realization, like, if we were really going to go dark, what would happen is he would marry Sloane. Uh, and then he would, like, s- they would both sl- sleep on each other because they would be unhappy. <laughs> yes. Because they would, would change be the actual because they're end. so. Right. And Sloane is w- much wiser than he is, actually. Correct. Because she's, like, as she says in the pool, like, she knows what's up. She knows that aspect of him. She's Mm -hmm. just enjoying the ride. Correct. She knows that they're not going to get married. She basically says as much.
0: I think, yes, I think she sees him. She's the only person who sees him for what he really is, which Mm -hmm. is, is I think, intended by the writer to imply that makes her a good match for him. But the problem is that Ferris Bueller, at this point in his life, is such a potent figure that it doesn't matter that she sees him for who he is.
1: Right. Plus when you're 17, right. Right. I right. I mean, we're He's playing still a teenager. in this real right. weird space where we're supposed to like, they're so actually, they're so already people <laughs> that like, that isn't what 17 is for a lot of Americans Correct. at the time going through this experience, these types of experiences, watching these kinds of movies right. that they wouldn't be able to answer these questions. So, the, pr- the fact that he's an asshole is because he's an adult in terms of his manipulation. Uh, he would never be in the situation. If he was in the situation, he would be a sociopath. So I'm not saying that he is a sociopath because there's proof in the filmmaking that he's a sociopath. And likewise, I don't think that Sloane is uh, wise beyond her years because of anything that she... They just play archetypes Correct. of... Actually, adults right dressed They're up imitating like imitating
0: adults kids, which is a thing that they do in the movie too. Mm-hmm. Like Sloane, for instance, plays a, a mysterious woman at a moment's notice to Ferris's father. Right, Ferris's father sees them in the like in a taxi cab across the way, and then he looks back like, "Wait, was that my son?" And it's just Sloane sitting up there, and then Ferris down below tickles her. And right. she laughs like this sensuous woman. Now, what's interesting about that, aside from what you said and how it validates what you said, is that his father doesn't even know who she is. Yes, yeah, his father does not know her.
1: Doesn't and yeah, you know, like and they're so, like, talking what? about getting married,
0: right? What? So like, yeah, that's yeah. a problem. Yeah, I mean, I understand his father's a dope, but like. Uh, not that much of a dope dope. he's like
1: saying stuff like I love you son you know like he's cognizant he isn't Aloof right. and like a,
0: a hook dad
1: or something like right. that. Right, and see.
0: <laughs> thank you for bringing up hook again. No, <laughs> s- <laughs> I just want the audience to know, Abe and I had a long debate about whether we could talk about hook on this show, and hope hope remains well, whether one day you
1: make it sound like it's like
0: hooks off limits. No more hook. <laughs> I'm not having any hook in this film. No, it no, no, wasn't no, that. that. It was just if it was. If it made I, sense, uh, yeah, yeah, it's all right. I don't want to waste everyone's time, I, but <laughs> I love, I love, I love I like the fact though. that we keep coming back to Hook. Yeah. So uh, the point being that, but again, this is this is an artifact of the fact that John Hughes made such a perfectly and fun executed character that we don't believe him anymore. You know what I mean? Like, he's so good that we don't believe him anymore. We don't believe he can love Sloane. We don't believe he's going to get in any trouble. We don't believe that Ed Rooney can ever catch him. We don't believe that he ever would stand up for Cameron at the end when he's like, Cameron, I'm going to take it when the car gets wrecked or whatever. I'll take it. And, of course, he's not going to actually take it because Ferris so, Bueller couldn't take it. He's Ferris yeah, hats
1: Bueller. Hats off. I mean, hats off to Broderick. Hats off to Hughes, too. Right. Because the way he delivers his, like, when he's finally backed into that corner. Yes. Uh, the way he delivers it is with such unbridled confidence. Yes. But also the eyes of a little boy. Yes. And it's almost like... I don't know how they figured it out. Maybe Broderick is just a genius, but I actually think it's Hughes, uh, because remember Matthew Broderick is also young when he's doing this role. It's a, a very complex thing because yes. he is saying everything like he's like no 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 it's it's what you, it's the good thing like it's not the bad thing like that's what his like he's trying to say to his friends, right. but at the same instance. Uh, he doesn't believe himself. It's so thoroughly like, but he wants you to believe him. It's it's like that. Like, it's not that he's manipulating them because he's like, if I get them to believe that I am this, then this XYZ will happen and I'll get the precious money or whatever. (laughs) Like, no, it's because he, he's a little rat in a cage and he needs, so much for them to believe him because so much of his personal w- worth is based on his support system and right. the idea that everyone thinks that he's likable. Correct. So the second that he's unlikable, he freaks the fuck out and turns into a child. Correct. And I don't know how much of that is Broderick doing a performance of that or that's just how all young people are because that's just how all young
0: people are. It's a really cool... I mean, first of all, Matthew Broderick had, run, had won a Tony. By this time, I believe, yeah, like he'd had a stage career, which is a thing people forget. Um, it seemed like what he are you came in out the of Tony nowhere. for. I, I forgot it's some stage play, but he was the lead in it. I believe. Uh, I could be wrong. I, I didn't do detailed research on this, but just on that point, Abe, isn't it kind of fun to think that the movie Election is actually <laughs> a sequel to Ferris Bueller?
1: Yeah, that's great. That's right? fucking great. Yeah. Like, the, like the, became, this is who he became.
0: Yeah. yeah, and it is who he would become.
1: Because of the cyclic nature, of, yes. yeah. Because he, uh, the best years of his life were fucking high school,
0: right? Of course, and like, I don't think that John Hughes is necessarily trying to like imply that Ferris Bueller's life's gonna be awful out of high school. No, I don't think so. I think, I think that's our cynicism to... toward a creature like you're Ferris. You're supposed Bueller. to
1: leave it. It's a closed system.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's a closed system. You're, that's what you're supposed to think. But also, like, I've lived some life, and so have you. And the fact of the matter is, Election would make a pretty good sequel. It would make Ferris a great sequel, right? Yeah, it really would, because that's yeah. what actually happens. Anyway, I could I could labor this on and on, but I think I've made my main point, which is to say that this is one of those cases where the writer and director had such a great idea about a character and had so much fun to deliver that idea that the movie couldn't sustain it. Um, and consequently, we get a lot more sort of meandering, just sort of hanging out with them on their day off, watching Ed Rooney totally fuck up as a detective, until finally, Cameron's ready to have a real problem, or until finally, uh, Ferris Bueller ha- actually has to get home. Right? Those are basically the two remaining tension points, and they aren't around for most of the second act of the movie. Right? And yeah, that's no, I mean, uh,
1: why. Why would they be?
0: Yeah, why would they be, you know? And so this is why people have all these fan theories about Cameron. Um, I think you could make an argument that that Ferris Bueller has to grow as a friend, and that's why uh, the movie is actually about him being a better friend to Cameron. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you could make that argument that he goes through a change there, but I don't think the movie feels like he went through a change there. He hasn't.
1: We haven't witnessed him learning the lesson. We've witnessed him getting told off of about the lesson. I mean, he does. Like, this is what you need to do. Ferris is different from I've internalized that information. I go off into the world and I do, and I'm different now.
0: I think that I think the writer wanted us to believe that when Ferris volunteers to take the blame for the car, you do which, feel that it's genuine. Yeah, you feel that it's genuine, which is to say that he's grown. Uh, but yeah. I think, unfortunately, he's you know, going to try. How, Right, but unfortunately the power of Cameron's angst and the power of Ferris Bueller as guy who can never be caught because otherwise it wouldn't be his day off, mm. uh are just they sort of overpower that narrative. Right. Yeah. Which is why for the most part John Hughes tries to distract us from this problem with like bigger and bigger stunts. Right? It's why Ferris Bueller joins a uh a parade downtown, singing "Twist and Shout," uh-huh. and why they get caught on television catching a baseball game at the Cubs game, right? Or baseball at the Cubs game, or why yeah, they he's have a rock that, star. They yeah. have that amazing art montage that everybody brings up, and it's great. Is because that,
1: life moves pretty fast, and he's right. running and running and running, so he doesn't have to stop Correct. and think about himself. That's the kind of arc that we're talking about. So Correct. that's where the pessimism kind of about what the what might be uh occurred to the character later in life uh that's where it comes from obviously uh i think yeah and more more to your point because you said early on about like uh the first act was like where all the shit occurs pretty much and like you're kind of making a point of like also if you watch the movie the camera gets more generic as time goes
0: on most of these tactics disappear if not entirely but then for the most part after he gets the car
1: I just wanted to address. I think there's something about sustainability about films. And like, directors have ultimate power of their movie. That doesn't mean they have ultimate right. power. They can't ever, like, they found a great idea in Ferris and a great, like, trope to play with. We would get tired of if the movie was all of that. Yes, <laughs> so, like, it, the correct. Obviously, you can't be amazing all the time. It's why we should forgive and be more forgiving of films, in my opinion, of things like smaller plot holes that don't break the fundamental arcs at play, but are just like, but how did they get there? Like, well, I thought that... Like that would be a long play time to run to get there. It's just like, all right, man. You know, it's like I'm trying my right. best to like weave an entertaining thing. Sometimes I have to turn my head a little bit over let here. Let us have
0: let us have fun, and that's the best thing about Ferris Bueller. Exactly is, is it, and so it's allow it to be generic,
1: and right. I don't. Th- and I think you're saying this, but I, if it hasn't been said already, I think it's it's not that the first act is so stellar and the rest of it is not. That's a wh- that's a weird dichotomy to set on the film. I think sure. what you're saying, or at least I think you're saying and definitely what i would prefer to say would be something closer to the evocative aspects of the first act is what propels our enjoyment of this classic movie uh and why it became like a mainstay in terms of you know the hughes uh filmography and you know obviously being in the zeitgeist and uh, it can't sustain that all the time Correct. but it's why it's well known because it's such a fervently great idea.
0: Yeah, it's not the best movie for delivering the tension of will he or won't he get away with yeah. it, but it's the best movie for com- for like just having a rad tone and character intro. Yeah. The likes yeah, of which Yeah, it's not
1: like the idea or the writing is gr- I mean the writing is good. Uh, it's not like the idea of it is great. Like it's not oh, a guy who just wants to get out of school and it's kind of got like a roadrunner situation right, with right. his like no 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 that's not like the that's not what's reinventing the wheel. What's reinventing the wheel is the uh, k- absolute charisma of the main character. And and, and and Hughes' ability to translate that to your brain.
0: It's Hugh right. It really is John Hughes that made a character that memorable. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because like there's been a lot of people in especially in the eighties that tried to make the coolest guy in school, right. like, but none none of them ever stood up to Ferris Bueller. Yeah, Ferris Bueller is is the American icon of coolest I mean, guy in school. I mean, I
1: remember it's it's remade every generation or so. Uh, it's remade, and what sucks is that we got like, I mean, it was a little late for definitely late for you, a little late for me, because there's just a few years separation. But like, right, Van Wilder. Is that? And he sucks. And he like, just
0: he just doesn't hold a candle. Gen to Xers Bueller.
1: got fucking Ferris Bueller, and we yeah got, they did ah oh, fuck off <laughs> like we got shitty movie versions. Yeah, of Yeah,
0: Xers can complain all they want, but but they got Nirvana and they got Ferris Bueller. <laughs> Those are two pretty good things. So they better settle down. <laughs> uh, sure. <laughs> they better sure. settle down. Uh, uh, yeah,
1: man. Uh, that is uh, that is definitely why that movie works, and it is yeah. A- I thought you did a very good job of uh, dissecting
0: it for us. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I try to, I really enjoy approaching a movie, and maybe the audience will find this fun in their lives, or maybe they won't. I try to approach a movie that I know I like, if I'm going to rewatch it, and ask Mm -hmm. myself, like, why do I like this? Like, what is it about this that sort of stuck with me? And not do like a self-analysis, but do analysis of the movie. Yeah, what what, you know what is what it mean? doing like, to trick me? Yeah, in what's it doing? It. Right, and and that's not in a mean me. way, but like in the way that film directors do. Right, and that's what led me to rewatch this because it was like, boy, yeah. Ferris Bueller just fucking rules. And like, it's not a movie that is ever going to win an Academy Award. It's not a movie that was ever going to win any acting awards, but it's like it, every bit as important as ninety nine percent of the best picture winners in cinema history. <laughs> right, like, yeah. right. I mean, it really is. I mean, it's memorable. Uh, yeah, it and is it's, memorable. It's it's solely due to this that John Hughes directing and writing like it's he really did it you know um so okay I hope you've been on enjoyed being on that journey with us uh yeah I I enjoyed the shit out of that I want Mm. more of this type of stuff
1: I think this is great I like yeah I like your dissection of the bag of tricks and what their effect is I think that's uh that's like when you're at your best man. You're Thank really you sir that.
0: So uh, that's very sweet of you to say. Uh, those of you who are who like this show, uh, please leave us a uh, a rating and a comment on iTunes yeah, or yeah, yeah. share it with your friends because it helps us to find all the people who need like like Abe and I to celebrate Ferris Bueller's genius. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and people do. Uh, it really helps us to get uh, the podcast out there. And uh, we would love to be able to bring in more and more episodes for you guys. Uh, and that is the best way that you can help us do that. Thank you so much for listening. Yeah. Thank you so much. Chica chica.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know I wanted to do that, right? Yeah. Yeah, you have to do All that. All right. No, that's where we're gonna cut. <laughs>
0: Perfect.